The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. It is a true emergency. Quick, run. We're in. Oh no. <laughs> Welcome back to Mystery Team Inc. Yay! Um, we, if you've noticed that we haven't posted an episode for a couple weeks, that would have been very perceptive of you. Mm-hmm, good job. Um, we, last week we shot a proof of concept for our series. Mm-hmm. This week we found out, do you guys remember when we were like, we did something really out of character today and we auditioned for a game show that we're never going to get cast on because we're not family friendly <laughs> enough? Well. We're, we're on it. We have to now go do it. <laughs> so keep your ears peeled. Ew. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, we really dug ourselves a hole. Yeah. Now so, we have to live in it. We'll let you know when it airs and you can go watch it. Yeah. Um, do you have any business? Thank no. you to everyone, as always, for your kind reviews and for listening and following along on our adventures. Ceremony business. Ceremony I'm really cracking. Yeah, I'm okay. hung up on this game show thing. Okay. I'll, I'll wait for you to open your Miche cup. I hit the space bar and then it didn't start recording. So I'll just redo it. Great, thank you. You're getting really good. I know. Um, okay. I think it's my turn to go first, right? Yeah, let me shut my computer, because okay. otherwise it'll play I, Tanya. Great. It was about to do it. <laughs> For the third time today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stop me if you've heard this one before. All right. The title of this mystery. I've heard it. Oh. <laughs> the title of this mystery is The Persian Princess. You heard about this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> no, but it kind of sounds familiar, but it might just be because I saw the title in our Google Drive today. You're not supposed to look when I do that. I didn't mean to. I thought I was in my Google Drive. <laughs> but we share so many email accounts <laughs> that my computer never knows which one to go to. I also, I've thought it was funny since day one that I always type up my mysteries in the Google Drive. I just, hate it. It's just like honor system that you're not allowed to look at it. And I don't look at it, but... Is it tempting? No. Because I'm not a dumb-dumb. I don't hate myself enough to ruin it. Okay. Well put. Um... <laughs> Thank you. I know the limits of my self-hatred. <laughs> I know where that line is. Okay. So, in October of 2000. Whoa. This is more recent than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. A mummified 2,600-year-old Persian princess was, was discovered by Pakistani resident Ali Akbar. He put the mummy on the black antiquities market for $11 million. Let's go find a mummy. Yeah, right? We could make so many series with that kind of money. No, Or we could just do absolutely nothing forever. That also sounds appealing. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> um... He had come into possession of it through an an Iranian man, I should say. Um, The Persian princess had allegedly allegedly surfaced in a region close to Iran when it surfaced during a recent earthquake. The mummy was sent to the Karachi National Museum, where experts from around the world gathered to discover the origins of the mummy. The mummy was adorned with cuneiform-inscribed gold plaque identifying it as a 2,600-year-old Persian princess, Perhaps, according to one translation, a daughter of King Xerxes. Ooh. In an October 26th 26th press conference, clips of which appeared on NBC's Evening News, archaeologist Ahmed Hassan Dani of Qaid-e-Azam University 
in Islamabad announced that the mummy, wrapped in Egyptian style and resting in a wooden coffin carved with cuneiform writing in Persian, was that of a princess dated to circa 600 BC. Wait, so it was an Egyptian mummification style. I'm getting to that. Okay. So, um, let me see how quickly that comes up or if I should address it now. It was totally an anomaly because the the inscriptions were in Persian. Um, the wrapping was Egyptian style, but they found out later that the actual like mummification process was not Egyptian style. So they were like, this is a weird blending of cultures that we haven't seen before. The inscription read, I am the daughter of the great King Xerxes. Mazureka, protect me. I am Rotagun, I am. Alternatively, Donnie said, the mummy could be of an Egyptian princess who married a Persian prince during the reign of Cyrus I, whose body had been preserved following the custom of her own country. Oh. Various theories circulated about how it came to Keta. National Museum curator Asma Ibrahim suggested it may have been looted from a tomb in the Hamadan region of western Iran or the southwestern Pakistani area of Karan. It was considered a completely a complete anomaly, here we go, because it was unlike other mummies in terms of style of mummification and the combination of both Egyptian and Persian elements. For example, all of the organs had been removed, which is counter to the Egyptian style who typically leave the heart. Oh, okay. Um, a dispute broke out between Iran and Pakistan about who should own the mummy. Shortly after the press conference, the Iranian Cultural Heritage Organization, claiming the mummy was a member of the Persian royal family, said that it would take legal action through UNESCO for its return. <laughs> At that point, Iran said that it was cooperating with Interpol for the mummy's return. Pakistan's foreign minister warned against politicizing the issue, while the Taliban, the rulers of most of Afghanistan at the time, demanded that their that their archaeologists play a role in deciding its ownership. I feel like maybe the Taliban need Doesn't to focus get a on say. other things, <laughs> like stopping. I don't think the Taliban should get a say. Nah, they don't get to throw their hat into any ring. Hot take. <laughs> Hot, Hot take. take. I don't think the Taliban was that good. <laughs> Hot take. I think the Taliban should just stay out. Of, our, of everyone else's issues. Of everyone else's business. Right. Um, let's see. So, and Ali Akbar and his Iranian accomplice had violated the Antiquities Act, and they were convicted and sent to prison. How did the, in what way? Because they were selling the mummy on the black antiquities oh, market. they were the ones selling them. Yeah. So experts performed... Wait, so then how did people get a hold of it? If they were selling it on the black market? The, the police got tipped off. Oh. And they were like, because the, there was a video of them, like, basically trying to auction it off. I have a question. Mm -hmm. How come? <laughs> mm -hmm. How come they let them sell real live women on the black market? Mm -hmm. But a mummy, the police are, like, doing crack detective work. Mm. I think it's kind of like Confederate statues. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's a weird false sense of preservation of history that's definitely more important than women oh, right. and black people oh, in our country. you know what's more important than women and black people? White Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Literally anything is more important. Yes, exactly. Fetuses, mummies, <laughs> white men, fake history, yeah. dogs, statues, some expensive birds, probably. <laughs> This is all very true. Um, so experts performed a detailed examination, including CT scans, chemical testing, carbon dating, and expert analysis of the written script. They determined that the Persian princess had been around the age of 24 when she died. A cut to the abdomen and damage or dislocation of the lower vertebra were possibly the cause of her death. Her jaw had also been broken. How would one dislocate lower vertebra? I'm going to get to that, actually. Okay, good. Um, there was an inscription across her chest that read in ancient Persian, I am the king of this land. But the inscriptions on the breastplate were not in proper grammatical Persian. Instead of a Persian form of the daughter's name, Wardagana, it had a Greek version, which is Rodagun, which I read earlier. Mm -hmm. And the wooden coffin was not as old as the body of the woman. <gasps> and the mask was only about 100 years old. What? And Wait, despite the, the fact, coffin? despite the fact that the sarcophagus was carved with royal symbols, a closer inspection revealed lead pencil on the sarcophagus <sighs> that had been used to guide the carving. 
Oh. Further investigation discovered that her body and hair had been bleached and her abdomen had been stuffed with modern drying agents such as sodium chloride and bicarbonate of soda. Carbon dating revealed that the woman had died in 1996, <gasps> which was four years prior because this was the year 2000. Oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so... Did I just blow your mind? Yeah, this is not at all where Did I thought this, this was going. Did this take quite a twist? Quite a turn. Okay, <laughs> it so... Took, it took a twist. <laughs> so who said that it was 206,000 years old? The experts. And then who then determined it was six years, four years old? On further examination when they started carbon dating everything. Oh. And they were like, this woman was clearly 24 when she died, and... She's from 1996, and the coffin <laughs> is from, like, 1998. Okay. So, what investigators concluded was that the forgers had likely robbed the grave of a woman and used her body to stage the forgery in, a, in order to make money on the black market. This is so funny because all of the shitty men who are like, it's ours, yeah. <laughs> can, like, go yeah, suck a exactly. dick. <laughs> and, by the way, I condensed a lot of that information, but there literally was, like, a... Like a global, like everyone was involved in this like huge battle about who should own the mummy and like what museum it should go to and what country it belonged to. <laughs> it was like when the uh, the British made a fake replica of the crown of thorns or whatever that was and gave oh, it back yeah. to Paris. Um, it was a huge deal. So the Taliban was involved, you know, like it clearly was a big deal. So, um, the okay, the reason that they thought this. About that they had robbed a grave of a woman and used her body to stage the forgery was because the forgery was so intricate that it would have taken several months and a team of scholars to execute. A person with knowledge of anatomy and embalming techniques because they mummified her. Mm, nerd. A stone carver. Nerd. A cabinet maker. Nerd. To make the coffin. A goldsmith who made the breastplate and all... There was like a, t like a golden crown and there was like golden jewelry, which is why they thought she was a royal who was buried with her jewelry. Are we sure this isn't just an elaborate D&D &D game? <laughs> no, we're not positive. Um, and someone with a rudimentary knowledge of ancient languages. Just a bunch of nerds. Right. Um, <clears throat> however... Her body had been mummified within 24 hours of her death. So Asma Ibrahim, uh, Ibrahim, the curator of the National Museum of Pakistan, determined that she was possibly killed with a blunt instrument to the lower back and pelvic region or hit, with a, hit by a vehicle from behind. Mm. So was she robbed from a grave or was it a fucking murder? Murder. Um... So basically, they still don't know the answer. They think that it was someone who, like, was set out to, like, make money on the the black antiquities market and not someone that, like, murdered her and, like, you know, like, covered it up by mummifying her. But it seems a little suspicious that the grave was that fresh mm -hmm. unless they were just, like, staking out a cemetery, I guess. Yeah. Did they, like, look into reports of... 24-year-old women getting hit by cars in the area? I'm sure they didn't, because remember, it's not about history anymore, so why would they do any police work? Oh, right, 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 right. Now it's about a real woman who lost her life. Mm-hmm. Sure. For, so a man can make money and right. lie about it. Right. So it doesn't matter. Right. I, I keep forgetting that we don't matter. <laughs> God. But there's an epilogue to this, which is that she was eventually buried with the proper rights, and the Persian princess is the name of an exhibition presented in, in August 2016 in Jerusalem by artist Hilly Greenfield. The exhibition functions as a tribute to the anonymous woman who, in an instant, went from the status of a princess in a gold-plated coffin displayed in a national museum to the victim of a vicious murder in which everyone quickly lost interest. The extreme transformation of the perception of the archaeological object from an honored princess to a woman who was murdered is what interests Greenfeld. Greenfeld picked up the signs and symbols used by the forgers, such as the engraved rosettes, the cypress gold, the icon of Ahura Mazda, the gold crown, and etc. She painted the symbols on artificial grass and created a hybrid of lyrical abstract paintings, Persian rugs, and graffiti murals. The works that are shown on the walls and on the floor seem to be graffiti murals and then seem to be rugs, depending on where you're standing. Oh, that's so cool. But in both cases, they are synthetic imitations of the original. I want to see pictures of that. Oh, yeah, I should look them up. I'll look some up on break and we can look at them. Yay. That's the story of the Persian princess. That was a fucking roller coaster ride. Right? I 
once again find myself burning with feminist rage, which is not where I thought this was going to go, but (laughs) I shouldn't be surprised. It almost always does. I know. I wake up and I'm burning with feminist rage. Yeah. I was shook when I read, like when I started reading about this. That's, I just, it's... Because I was like, that's so cool. Persian princess. Why was it Egyptian combined with Persian? Like, what a cool crossing of cultures. And like, oh, they married a princess off to... Men didn't do enough research after their murder. Right. Yeah, turns out. Because they used a Greek translation of the name. It's stupid. Yeah. And shitty. It's stupid. And I love how the whole world was like, oh, she just was a woman who got murdered. Never mind. We don't care. I don't care anymore. Also, doesn't it remind you of, like, the corpse in the fun house? Or, like, the corpse in the haunted house stories? Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, it turns out it's, like, a real dead person. Yeah, like, every procedural television show mm-hmm. around October. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone has one. Yeah. Um, questions, comments, concerns? I have a lot of concerns, but <laughs> we're gonna have to revolt first. Okay. Shall we take us a break let's take a break and plan the revolution okay we'll come back we'll be right back after this revolution <laughs> i am ready for media and we're back <laughs> you keep doing that it's my gag and i love it and i never get tired of it <sighs> If you haven't watched the 1998, 1996 classic, The Angry Beavers. We clearly went places on our break. Um, <laughs> when Norb says, I am Rydia Fobidia, it's like my favorite moment in cartoon history for some reason. And Kayla and I, Kayla didn't remember it and we once spent like probably an hour looking for it. And we found it. And it was worth it. And it was worth it. I am Rydia Fobidia. So needless to say, I didn't look up photos of that art exhibit. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> uh, all right, let's ceremonially crack this second beer we're going to share. Okay. And then I should just cut, like, sample that and put it at the beginning. What are you saying about my Foley work? No. no, no, no. <laughs> good recovery. <laughs> Very good recovery. Damn it. I fancy myself an improvisier. <laughs> I was um, chatting with a guy on Bumble, and then I found out he was an improv guy, and I was like, about that. Yes, and no. I'll see you later. <laughs> Redia? <laughs> Forbidia. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. My mystery is the death of Karen Silkwood. Okay, so Karen Silkwood was born in Longview, Texas on February 19th, 1945, and was raised in Nederland, Texas. She went to, when she was in high school, she got super into chemistry and then went to Lamar College in Beaumont, Texas on a full scholarship to study medical technology. Good for her. But she then left school after her first year and married a man named William Meadows, who was an oil pipeline worker. They had three children together, and then in 1972, they separated. Karen left custody of all three of their children to William and then moved to Oklahoma to get to work at Care McGee, which was an energy company that works in... Oil exploration, production of crude oil, natural gas, percolate, and uranium mining. And while she was Sounds there, safe. Sounds like a real stand-up company, right? Uh-huh. So at Care McGee, Karen helped make plutonium fuel rods for nuclear reactors. Sorry, the cat was looking at herself in the mirror. She had, like, stood up on her hind legs and was just, what like, looking at herself in the mirror. Too intelligent. Mm-hmm. Skynet. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so... Nuclear reactors. Nuclear reactors. While... A few months after she started working there, she joined the Oil, Chemical, and Atomic Workers Union, 
And then they did a nine-week union strike. I just had a thought. I'm glad there's one of those. (laughs) Good hot take, Maggie. Good job. Thanks. Uh, At the end of the strike, she became the first woman at Care McGee to be elected to the union's bargaining committee. Good for her. Good for her. And she was assigned to investigate health and safety issues within the plant. Fuck yes, Karen. Karen found... Spills, falsification of records, improper training, exposure to contamination, faulty respiratory equipment, improper storage of samples, and missing amounts of highly radioactive plutonium, among other bullshit. What the fuck? Yes. What, was she working on the Death Star? Jesus Christ. (laughs) That sucks. I know. In the summer of 1974, Karen and other union members testified to the Atomic Energy Commission... About having been contaminated and said that the safety standards had fallen because of a production speedup, which sounds like some conglomerate bullshit. Mm-hmm. From that day forward, Karen was deemed a troublemaker and became subject to harassment. Yeah, because if you're a dude and you do it, you're Julian Assange. And if you're a woman and you do it, you're a troublemaker. Yeah. Um, on November 5th, Karen... Um, monitored herself at work for alpha activity and i will explain what that means Mm -hmm. so in radioactive chemicals unstable atomic nuclei lose energy by emitting radiation that's how they degrade um and the one of the particles that they emit is an alpha particle okay and beta and gamma particles but we're talking about alpha particles today Mm-hmm. The most toxic of the particles. <clears throat> oh, God. Absolutely. So she monitored herself for alpha activity, and she found that the right side of her body read 20,000 disintegra- disintegrations per minute, or about nine nanocuries, which are both ways to measure radioactivity. Thank God they finally named one fucking thing after a woman. I know. So what you're saying is she was, like, really radioactively contaminated. Yes. It was mostly on um, the right sleeve and shoulder of her coveralls. So she went to the health physicists, and they did what's called a nasal swipe, which measures a person's exposure to airborne plutonium. Um, And the swipe showed an activity. They were like, this is not good, because when we turn the lights off, the inside of your nostrils glow. (laughs) She's like, I went to a black light party. Right. At Alpha Gamma Beta. (laughs) (laughs) A science frat called Alpha Beta Gamma. Uh, So it showed 160 disintegrations per minute, which is a, quote, modest positive result. Um, She also had plutonium-239 on her hands, 400 times the legal limit of contamination on her hands. She had been working in a glove box, which is like a, a box with glo- yeah. you know those mm-hmm. boxes yeah. with gloves in them? Uh, made famous by the opening credits of The Simpsons. <laughs> Correct. Where Homer, like, yeah. sticks his hands in the thing. So she was working in a glove box, grinding and polishing plutonium pellets, and they removed the gloves, and they found that they had plutonium inside them on the surface that came into contact with her skin, but there were no leaks and no holes. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. A mystery. There was no... Can I give an alt for my line earlier? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is she, working at the Springfield nuclear plant? Much better. Ah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good alt. Thanks. Um, no plutonium was found on the surfaces in the room where she had been working and filter papers from the two air monitors in the room showed there was no significant plutonium in the air. So what we can like conclude from that is that someone just like touched plutonium with their like gloved hands or bare hands and then stuck it, their hand in the glove. Like how does it only get in there? Okay, go on. And there was also like a plutonium handprint (laughs) on her dead body. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so she was decontaminated and returned to work and didn't use the glove box again. And when she left work, she tested herself again and was uncontaminated. Um, as a precautionary measure, she was put on a program in which, uh, her urine and feces were collected for five days so that they could measure Mm -hmm. her internal plutonium. So the next morning on November 6th, 
she got into work. She examined metallographic prints and did some paperwork for an hour and then uh, left the laboratory for a meeting. As she was leaving the lab, she checked herself again and she hadn't worked with the glove box, but the detector registered alpha activity on her hands again. Mm. Um, The health physicists found further activity on her right forearm and the right side of her neck and face. They decontaminated her. She asked them to check her locker and her car, and there was no alpha activity found. That's the end of that day. On November 7th, she brought in her kit to the health physicists. Uh, They did another nasal swipe, and then they also found significant levels of alpha activity on her hands, arm, chest, neck, and right ear. Um, 1,000 to 4,000 disintegrations per minute. Hmm. And a preliminary analysis of her samples showed 30 to 40,000 disintegrations per minute. Um, so she's either going to become an X-Man or she's going to die within a week, is what you're telling me? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, Sorry, so... Sorry, X-Person. X, <laughs> X, X-Human. Mm-hmm. Um, so after they cleaned her up, they went with her to her apartment which she shared with another lab tech named Sherry Ellis. Women supporting women. Yeah. So. Why? Because they work together? Maggie. Because they live together. Oh. So they probably supported each other. Okay. We can assume. So they found significant levels of activity in the bathroom and the kitchen and lower levels of activity were found in the other rooms. Uh, They said there were only about 300 micrograms of plutonium in the apartment, and there was no plutonium found outside the apartment. So they were like, duh? (laughs) Um, Something to note is that high levels of activity were found in four of the urine samples that she collected at home, like up to millions per minute, whereas the ones that they collected at the plant didn't have any at all. Hmm. So, because of the high levels of contamination at the apartment, Care McGee arranged for Karen, Sherry, and Sherry's boyfriend, Drew, to go to Los Alamos for more intense testing. So, on Monday, November 11th, they went to go meet a man named George Voles, who was the leader of the laboratory health division. Um, They collected samples, and they performed whole body and lung counts. The next day, on the 12th, he reported that Sherry and Drew had very little activity, but Karen had 0.34 nanocuries of americium, which mm, is a mm-hmm. gamma-emitting daughter of plutonium in her lungs, which means that she had about six or seven nanocuries of plutonium in her lungs before it started breaking down, which is less than half the maximum permissible lung burden for workers. So not that bad. He was like, you're fine. You're not going to get cancer. Don't worry about it. And they were like, okay. And they went back back to Oklahoma City on the 12th and went back to work where Karen and Sherry were restricted from working around radioactive anything. Um, Karen had become convinced that she was being contaminated at work on purpose. I mean, it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. In her home, it sounds like. Yeah, like some, she could, someone was targeting her. Mm-hmm. And she had contacted this man named David Burham, who was a New York Times journalist. And he was like, okay, great. Let's meet and talk. Cool. The next day on the 13th, she attended a union meeting after work in a little cafe in Crescent, Oklahoma. She left the meeting at 7 p.m. to go to Oklahoma City to meet David Burham and a man named Steve Wodka, who was an official of her union's national office. An attendee of that meeting later testified that Karen had a binder and a packet of documents with her. At 8.05, the Oklahoma State Highway Patrol was notified of a single car accident seven miles south of Crescent. The driver, Karen Silkwood, was dead at the scene for multiple injuries. Um, An Oklahoma State... The binder had sliced right through her heart. (laughs) Metaphorically. (laughs) Uh... Yeah, I'm not a metaphorical murder-suicide here. <laughs> yeah, it's looking real figurative. Gonna call for backup. <laughs> we call that a 5140. <laughs> 5140. <laughs> um, okay, so 
The Oklahoma State Trooper who investigated the accident reported that her death was a result of a classic one-car sleeping driver accident. Classic. Classic. <laughs> like Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. Coke and a one-car sleeping driver accident. You know what I could really go for? What? A classic Coca-Cola and a one-car sleeping <laughs> driver accident. <clears throat> because classics go together. This was an integrated ad. <laughs> yeah. Coke paid us to say that. <coughs> yes. Sponsors. <laughs> so, um, the car, the trooper says... A Ford Taurus. It was actually a 1974 Honda Civic. This episode brought to you by Ford, because Fords don't <laughs> get crashed. <laughs> um, okay, so, the trooper at the scene said that he found one or two tablets of the sedative methaquinone. I mean, I think we can all agree that Karen was the trooper. Did I beat you to the point? You beat me to the point. Okay. So they found quaaludes in the car and weed. Mm. They did not find her binder or the documents. When you do it, you say "went" and it sounds yeah. like a baby. I, I don't know. Wait, wait, it's what? It's gonna have a B at the beginning. Oh. I'm just gonna keep doing the baby one. Okay. Um. So the police report was like she fell asleep at the wheel, and the coroner found 0.35 milligrams of quaaludes per 100 millimeters of blood at the time of her death, which is almost twice the recommended dosage for inducing drowsiness. And another 50 milligrams were undissolved in her stomach. Hmm. The family was like, oh, she fell asleep at the wheel? Then why are there skid marks? (laughs) (laughs) Why are there skid marks on the road? And her big bumper looks like it's been heat. (laughs) Tell us that, troopers. (laughs) And they were like, uh. Also, no one would ever take, like, ten quaaludes and then get in a car. Especially not if you're a fucking scientist. No. No, they wouldn't. Uh, at all. Um, a microscopic examination of the rear of Silkwood's car showed paint chips that could only have come from a rear impact by another vehicle. And her family was like, there were no accidents. She just bought that car in 1974 and there were no insurance claims filed on the car. Um, so, because they were concerned about radiation, the Atomic Energy Commission requested that the team that had done her, uh, Karen's analysis at Los Alamos perform the autopsy. That's, okay, go ahead. A lot of the radioactive contamination was in her lungs, suggesting that she had inhaled plutonium, and when her tissues were further examined, the highest deposits were found in the contents of her gastrointestinal tract, which shows that she also ingested plutonium. Plutonium uh, covered quaaludes. <laughs> you think? Uh, so after her death, the publicity surrounding the case led to a federal investigation of the plant where most of her allegations were proven true and they were forced to close it in 1975. Good. So, yay. Uh, good in for 19- her, I say again. <laughs> good for her. In 1979, Karen's father and her three children sued. Karen McGee for negligence. Um, they presented evidence that the autopsy proved that she was contaminated with plutonium, and to prove that the contamination was sustained at the plant, they brought in a series of witnesses who were former employees at the facility. The defense brought in Dr. Voles, who was like, uh, her contamination was within legal standards, and she was a troublemaker, and she probably deliberately poisoned herself to make a point. Yeah. That sounds like a totally normal, rational human thing to do. Mm-hmm. But she's a woman and she's, uh, hysterical. I forgot. So the jury came back with a verdict of $505,000 in damages and $10 million in punitive damages. Then they appealed to federal court. The judgment was reduced to $5,000, which was the estimated value of Karen's property losses at her rental house. Mm. And they reversed the punitive damages. What the fuck? Then, in 
1984, the Supreme Court restored the original ruling. Yay! And then Karen McGee was like, we're going to appeal again. And they were like, mm. And then they settled out of court for $1.38 million and admitted no liability. So, basically the two camps are obviously, she poisoned herself to make a point, took a bunch of quaaludes, and drove her car into a wall. No. Or... She was being deliberately or not deliberately exposed to plutonium at work and then was going to blow some whistles and then got rear-ended and died and they stole her documents and they've never found them. That's so frustrating. Isn't it? I'm glad we both picked stories where women got fucked over. (laughs) Oh, most stories? That's all stories. Yeah. Most of the time. Most of the time, I'll say, women... Hot take. Get fucked. <laughs> Hot take. Women have a rough go of it. That's true. I will agree. I don't want to be controversial, but <laughs> it's not as fun to be a woman. So after editing, we're probably at like a 35 or 6 minute episode. Maybe should we do a little Yahoo Answers Corner? I think we should do a Yahoo Answers Corner. Great. So let's take a break and then we will come back and do some Yahoo Answers. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> Yours is just a baby and that crying. That time it was just a baby crying. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. So we found some Yahoo answers. Mm-hmm. It seems like Kayla found some really good ones, so I'm going to let her start. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the question and let the other one answer. And then we're going to read the best answers. Okay. So, my first one is, why are women evil? <laughs> I'm going to say... No, no, no. You have to hear the whole thing. Oh, shit. I am a brand new misogynist. <laughs> Oh, good. A new convert. Yeah. Because I believe that women, parentheses, in general, are evil, manipulative, heartless beings who do not have empathy. You can call me sexist or, quote, close-minded. I will, yeah. Yeah. But I am entitled to my opinion. I just don't understand why women and girls are like this. And when I say women are evil, I do not mean all women because they are wrong there are some who are really nice. But I'd say a good 95% of females are evil. And that is why I will always be a misogynist. First of all, no, you won't, because you're brand new. Um, what's the name of the... Like, what's the username? Southern Yankee. <laughs> Southern Yankee. Um, let me see if I can help here. Yeah. Uh, the reason that women are evil is pr- probably because you are a huge asshole. I'm going to say, if you agree, dear listener, feel free to send us an email. Oh, please. (laughs) Another guy said, join the boat, bro. The boat! (laughs) A female's excuse is because some guy scorned them in the past. So if a girl or woman dealt with a jerk BF or husband, then she may leave and take her anger on a great guy. I've dealt with that. Probably 95% of them turned out that way, which is roughly 40 girls in a span of 10 years. Which is not that many. I'm 29, over 10 years experience. Girls slash women don't and will not appreciate the men and guys out there who do care, buy flowers for her, skip time with his buddies, watch that gay romantic movie porn instead of the game and ex... I don't... I guess that's etc. I lost faith in girls and women also. Thanks, women. I was the nice guy with a big heart and you shattered it also. I have the balls to be a man in my life and be single and successful, then married and miserable. The nice guys should band together and let their voices be heard as well. Thank you for giving these men a voice. You've they really, deserve you've it. really done it. I think they really deserve it. So, <clears throat> I initially set out to search on Yahoo Answers, why does my boyfriend? Because I thought that it would like yield some good. Mm-hmm. But before I even got that far, when I did the search, the first answers that came up were, or sorry, the first searches that came up were, why does my cat vibrate? <laughs> Skynet. Can my baby get pregnant? Yes. <laughs> this is this is like rapid fire I'm questions. Different, and I know. Yahoo answers. 
Is my boyfriend a vampire? Yes. So what struck me, obviously, was, is my boyfriend a vampire? Yes. Uh, so I pursued that <laughs> avenue. I think that's smart. This is what I came up with. Is my boyfriend a vampire now? No. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> okay, so I have a new boyfriend. Yay. And we have been seeing each other for about a month now. I did, like, the face that she emoticoned. Anyway, the other night we had a Twilight marathon. I love Twilight. Of course you do. That was a quote. That's not... Don't... No, I know. Someone's going to cut that (laughs) and just use it to, like, completely ruin my 2050 presidential run. context. (laughs) Take it out of context. Um, And a dream of mine is to have a vampire boyfriend. I did not say that. Yes. I'm oh just now that I'm reading okay. it, I'm like really scared that someone's gonna take all this out of context and <laughs> I'm just <going> like. To. <laughs> I'm going to. A dream of mine is to have a vampire boyfriend! Exclamation point. I've been experimenting with eating my own blood. Eating. Ever since the Twilight books first came out, I consider myself to be a vampire now. I usually just save the blood I lose naturally each month. No, this is taking a turn for the way worse. I decided I would try and turn. No. My new boyfriend. Nope. So I've been cooking my blood <gasps> into his food when he comes over. I tried making blood pudding as well, but that only works if I've had a heavy flow. You need a lot of blood. Oh. So I usually just add a bit of blood into marinade or pasta sauce, etc. <gasps> he has absolutely no idea. I've been doing this for about three to four weeks. Do you think he could be a vampire by now? So someone aptly was like, troll. But my favorite responses were, Best answer. I doubt it, but I'm positive he's crazy now with 15 exclamation points. <laughs> that was from Happy For You. I am so upset. And Profeto said, with each word capitalized, my boyfriend is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the whole response. Uh, Kayla, what's your expert opinion? Yeah. Is my boyfriend a vampire yes. now? Okay. Yep. Yes. Your baby can't get pregnant and your boyfriend <laughs> is a vampire because you cooked with your tampons great great my next one is called 31 reasons why women are better than men exclamation point question mark (laughs) there are 31 i will read you some of them thank you get pregnant Sure, guys contribute, but they'll never get as close, parentheses, literally, as we get to our own babies. Ask for directions. We have no problem pulling (laughs) over and asking for help. Consulting the GPS doesn't count either, boys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look sexy while sipping fruity cocktails. Mm. What guy do you know can look hot with a pink drink in his hand? Oh, and by the way, we look damn good drinking beer, too. Preach? Get a new last name. Or just drop it all together, a la Fergie and Madonna. Mm, that's a good point. Seems like something. No one's pe- ever done that, that before. No like man Prince. has ever done that. Bono. <laughs> if you have to cite Bono, <laughs> we're, we've clearly failed it. Um, wear Bono. skirts. They keep us so much cooler in the summer than men's shorts. Plus, a hot mini is sure to score us a few free drinks at the bar. I feel like this was written by... A man. A man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Flirt with the bouncer. We bat our eyes at the doorman and get in the door with no cover charge. If a guy were to try it, we're thinking he might get kicked out of line. Who's we? Get murdered for doing research. (laughs) How many men can walk into a nuclear plant and immediately get targeted (laughs) and then run off the road in their car? Boys. Get murdered and mummified and then sold on the antiquities market. I'd like to see a man whose dead body is worth $11 million after, four years after he dies. We survive that's car my accidents to your question. more often. Oh, do we? I don't know if that's a true That statistic. would make me feel better in general. Uh, we're more recep- recession-proof. Because we don't have jobs? Is that the implication? I don't know. And then we invest better. <laughs> well, that's true. Okay, ready? Oh, hold on. Mm-mm. Women, this someone else said, 
women are far better than men because they don't commit all the crime and do all the evil that so-called men do. Or would cowards be a better word for all the bad guys? Sure, women commit crimes too, but not nearly as often as men. And what on earth ever happened to... Uh, uh, never yeah. mind, it, tur- it took a turn. But yeah, we don't do most of the crimes. That's true. Um, did I ever tell you that I once got in a legitimate fight with my ex-boyfriend because he said that he was like pretty sure that the majority of like kills and murders in history were committed by men. And I like got on a high horse and was like, you don't fucking know women can kill men just as well. And he was like war for like all of history. And I was like, but well, yeah, like I got really, Nah, you were on the wrong side right there. I'm sorry, Devin. I don't usually agree with your, I know I have to apologize to Evan because he was right about that. And I really, I really did go all out on that. Um, well, women can be shitty too. Yeah. That was my argument. (laughs) But also to be fair, I watched so much true crime that when he said that I immediately was like picturing snapped, like women murder people. And he was like, Oh yeah. War. And I was like, Oh shit. Fuck. Um, okay. Freaking out. Is my boyfriend a vampire? Oh god, you're so yes, yeah. I'm so glad. Remember when I said I went down yeah. a hole? Okay. Mm-hmm. He's been kissing my neck heaps lately. Like heaps. Way more than heaps was capitalized. Yeah. Like way more than usual. This is actually freaking me out. <laughs> this is actually freaking me out. Is he a vampire? What should I do? Um Do you want to hear my answer? Yeah. Yes. Um, stake through the heart. Great. Your time. So this is posted by Anonymous. The title of the question is, Why won't women chase this lonely pirate? Arg! With a question mark. Oh, no. (laughs) The British Navy will chase me clear around the globe. But you lose your hand in a horrible dining accident and women shun you like you haven't bathed in months. I'll date him. Sad face. My answer is I'll date him. Great. This one is, is my boyfriend my boyfriend or my husband? (laughs) Which, if you have to ask, and you phrase it that way, I think you've made a mistake. You answered your own question, hon. I have been living with a man for 10 years and we have a child together, but we are not married. Would he be considered my boyfriend or my husband? The best answer is from Cheese Brady nine years ago. I would call him your husband. (laughs) (laughs) Kayla, what's your hot take? I'm going to go with husband. Well, what's ironic is that I think, depending on the state, it's common law marriage. Yeah. So that's actually the most legitimate question I found tonight. Your turn. This one. This is my last one. Which I think is appropriate for both of us considering our lives. Why do men always want to be friends after they break up with you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I continually encounter men. Continually? Sorry, I can't talk. Oh, I I thought you were doing a a spelling. Let me start over. I continually encounter men who, either after breaking up with me or expressing that they are not interested in a relationship, still want to remain close friends. They want to continue to enjoy the long conversations, text messaging, and advice that comes along with being friends. That's the end? That's the end of the question. Okay. Are there any good answers? Are you ready for mine? I mean, you should go first. The answer is because men always think... That they have, like, all that they like, want to accomplish all this shit before they, like, date someone. And so they make up all of these reasons why they can't date someone when the reason really is just that they don't want to date you. Mm-hmm. But they're not ready to give up the comfort that you bring to them. Preach, so they sister. just continue to talk to you while they wean themselves off of you and try to find someone else to date mm-hmm. to also fuck over. Now, the best answer for this is not a good answer, but I do like that it was posted by someone named Mr. Stock NYC, mm-hmm. who opens with, hi, I hate to admit this, but I'm the biggest player in the world. Mr. Stock NYC. <laughs> the biggest player in the world. I guess. 
Um, but most of the answers are... Okay, well, this one person is fucking delusional. <laughs> Read that she one. She said, I asked one one time, and I believe he was honest with me. And you will see, he probably wasn't. He said that it was because they didn't hate you. And it's not like they never wanted to talk to you again. It's just the relationship wasn't working out. He also added that even though the sex is the reason most guys say, it's not always the reason. It just depends on the guy. And I'm sure he followed that up with, I would never do that. I've never done that. It's so hard to take you seriously (laughs) because your headphones have cat ears on them. (laughs) So it's like, okay, ready? Mm-hmm. What should I cook for my boyfriend other than pasta? <laughs> well, if he's a vampire, tampon blood sausages. Okay, what if he's not? I don't have a tampon for that. marinara. Oh, that's sauce. That's pasta. Damn yeah, it. Fuck. <laughs> is Eggs. It, is it a <laughs> best answer? Here's your trophy. Thank you. Is it a bad idea to introduce my boyfriend to my husband? No. Because maybe your boyfriend is your husband. <laughs> What's the best answer? On well, that? the explanation is my crush, not my boyfriend. So that it's a bad idea that and you because you don't introduce your boyfriend to your husband. That's why. Because this will only cause the sex to be less enjoyable with my boyfriend and the money from my husband to decrease. Is he right in his assumption? Yes. And this person, the messenger said, now you have a crush too. <laughs> Which is like so genius. We just totally buried the lead. Yeah. My crush, not my boyfriend. So my don't do that. Said, so my crush said, don't, don't introduce my boyfriend. boyfriend to my husband. Now you have a crush too. When will it end? Please don't let your husband and especially your boyfriend know about your crush. Your boyfriend wants to believe he's your crush. What's next? No, don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> okay. This one. I found by accident. Can my baby gerbils eat cheese? <laughs> Can I they? have heard. Well, what's your answer? Don't Google it. I'm not. I'm not. Just answer. Can your bait? Well, it depends on if it's a soft or a hard cheese. <laughs> P.S. It is cheddar cheese I'm talking about. Probably in small amounts. I have heard that it is not always healthy for a baby gerbil to eat cheese, but since they are babies, is it Okay. Best answer, it is not good to feed any durable any cheese. Aww. If your pups are older than three weeks, then you can feed them small amounts of fruits and veggies. Too much can cause diarrhea. I found another one. Go ahead. What do many men have against this? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> do you want my answer? <laughs> before I, I want your answer before I read the rest of the question. I think they're jealous. <laughs> I think they're intimidated. I think you're right. Okay. Here's the question. I had long hair my whole life. And Jealous. It- <laughs> and it became boring. I want to change it. I want to cut it short because I never had short hair. So it's like a challenge to me. Fair. I can't decide between a pixie cut or a buzz cut. Fair. When I told my father and boyfriend about it, they both went hysterical. My boyfriend said, if you do that, I would be very angry at you. Don't waste your beautiful hair. You don't know how many women Jealous. want to have beautiful long hair like you. And my dad said, do you want to look like a man? If you're listening, cut your fucking hair off. <laughs> cut your goddamn hair off. Cut all of your hair off. And then cut off the heads of the men who disagree. <laughs> Fire cannot burn a dragon. <laughs> when I told my mom and grandma about it, they were okay with it and said I should go for it. Grandma told me how she had the same problem. When she was young and came home one day from the hairdresser, her father asked her what she had done to her hair. In the 20s, yeah. She cutted it very we've short. Been, we've been dealing with this <laughs> Listen, for a hundred years. they've been mad about it for so long. Just do it. And then some fucking gentleman rode into the comments section with his fedora and was like, I always find women with pixie cuts attractive. Doing the Lord's work, fedora man. Now I'm sad. We did it. Well, we did it. We told stories. I have a really quick question, though. Yeah. Is my boyfriend my husband or a vampire? (laughs) (laughs) What does your crush say? (laughs) He says, don't tell him. Okay. (laughs) It depends on how much of your menstrual blood he's been eating. Enough. And (laughs) 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 Now, you know what I want? 
I have three guesses. Guess. Mm. Cheese and bread. Correct. Mm. A dog. Also correct. <gasps> and a series. Yes, but... Wait, wait, wait. The, <laughs> the trick is that I was going to say, I want a Mystery Team Inc. series. And I was like, how would you do that? Because I was thinking of like a scripted show, but I want like a documentary style <sighs> show where we go to like Kansas City, Missouri and like... <sighs> That oh weird city in London, that and we like fun. try to solve mysteries. I think that'd be great and so and like fruitless. do in person research. Yeah, with where people. we go to like old libraries and we talk to and old we talk people. to old people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that such a good idea? I think that's a great idea. And then there could be like cut, like not cut scenes. This isn't a video game. Reenactments? No, just like inter inter scenes. Where we, like, experience, try to experience the nightlife. <laughs> <laughs> Where we're like, we'll have one ale, please. Excuse me, one ale? <laughs> and they're like, are you from L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> they can tell because of your top knot. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be great. I think we should have many TV shows. Me too. We're great on camera. You can tell because of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We did it. We did it. I don't have anything Any else. Any final thoughts? Follow us on... I just want to say, to all the other women out there, don't... Your boyfriend is a vampire. Your boyfriend's a vampire. Your boyfriend's your husband. <laughs> don't tell your crush that your husband's your vampire boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> we look hotter sipping fruity cocktails. Right. And skirts keep us cooler in the summer. Mm-hmm. You can be a Persian princess. You can do science. Mm-hmm. You can also date that pirate. Arg. (laughs) (laughs) It was arg, exclamation point, question mark. You can use punctuation. Don't be scared. Don't be scared to capitalize the beginnings of your sentences. Do be scared to capitalize the every word in the sentence. Yes, no, no, no. Just the first letter. (laughs) Yeah, of the first You can even do a real big one, like in old books. Illuminated text, it's called. Illuminated text? Mm -hmm. God, I'm so glad you're my best friend. Dinks. Illuminated text. That's what it's called. I love it. Because they put like gold leaf on it and shit. Oh, right. Yeah, so when follow we us. write a book, we should do that. <laughs> okay. Follow, <laughs> follow us but on for every Instagram. Sentence. For every word. <laughs> every word. The book is like 10 pages long and it's one sentence. And it's like, welcome to Mystery <laughs> That's the whole book. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> you never finished the Thanks for listening. You know what else we should do? Follow us on everything. What? I was just interrupting you for fun. Damn it. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram. Here comes the cat. You're just interrupting me to interrupt me. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram. (laughs) Someone recently asked me, like, I told them we've been friends for, like, 15 years, and they were like, wow, what is that like? Is it like, I hope you guys don't, like, fight too much. And I was like... We almost never fight, and when we do, it's usually just this bullshit. We're like... Anyway, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> follow us on Instagram at Mystery Team Inc. Follow us on Twitter at Mystery Team Inc. One. If you're Email not a pirate, us. please get in touch. And if you have a fedora and you have big thoughts about misogyny, <laughs> big thoughts. Email us at Mystery Team Incorporated at gmail.com slash misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> Performance slash misogyny. And keep an ear out for our... I, we'll be announcing our game show debut, I guess, oh once our NDAs are run out. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll also be announcing our what's going to go on with our proof of concept. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thanks for supporting, as always. A good, oh, uh... Shit. <laughs> 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 um, it's... Smooches. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Sorry. No, no, no. Redo. It was. <laughs> <laughs> we got giggles. Uh-uh. <laughs> it was. Stay in your lane. We don't know. Smooches. There was another one. I'm so mad. It's from the last episode. Let's pull it up. Okay. Sorry, you have to edit this. I know. I'm. I'm sorry, future me. <laughs> We should do outtakes after the outro. Yeah. For every episode. Okay, ready to sign off. I'm si- ready. To, I'm ready. <laughs> Fuck all the back up. Stay in your lane. We don't know. Smooches. <laughs>
Goodbye. Goodbye. Dun dun. <laughs> <laughs>